This is Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. Our heart for you is that you would live like Jesus and share his love. Every one of us has a major decision coming up very soon. Who will we vote for? What are the issues, the policies that mean the most to us as followers of Christ? Today, Pastor Ryan Bibb and Pastor Josh Harum will talk a bit more about some of the key policies that Christians identify with. Well, welcome back to Radiant Reflections. My name is Josh Harum. I am joined once again by my co-host, Pastor Ryan Bibb. Are you ready for this, Pastor Ryan Bibb? I think so. This is the last of the last right here. This is the last installment in our Faith and Politics series of Radiant Reflections. Um, you, we could consider this the second part of uh, Game of Red v. Blue. Uh, if we did have to come up with a, a G title for this one separately, we'll call it Grab Your Tissues, <laughs> It's Time for Issues. Uh, <laughs> you, I mean, that's you pretty don't, clever. But you don't seem to approve, Ryan. <laughs> it, was, it was clever. You tried using a G, then you got to realize, how do I use a G with, we're going to talk issues. Exactly. I mean, it, it works. We would welcome any feedback from the, our listeners and viewers. If you had a better G title uh, that we could have used for this, uh, just shoot us that, podcast at theradiantlife.church. There you go. And then next time when we do a faith and politics series, we'll, we'll maybe use your name. So there you go. All right. So we want to dig in a little bit to some specific issues, but also just kind of the way we approach issues as followers of Jesus. So that's kind of the theme for this episode. So just bear, bear with us as we, as we dig into that. So I, Ryan, I want to start by asking a question because you know, you, you've heard this. I, I think I know I heard it the last election. Um, I don't remember if I heard it before. Maybe, maybe you hear this every election, but you'll hear people talk about this as like, uh, hey, you know, we need to choose the lesser of two evils. Like the least crappy option is the one that we go with. Like, is that, is that a good way to approach voting, in your opinion? She's uh, like, it's either way. But what you, can you do? Either way, right? you end up with somebody evil. Right. Like you can't. You're in a sense, you feel handcuffed at that point. There's nothing you can do. Those are the two candidates we are choosing from. Right. Those are it. And so. I mean, and I don't, I honestly, I don't like that statement. I don't like calling someone like evil, like, I don't, don't get me wrong. There's evil things about, there's wrong, sinful things about people, but you're right. In, in the last election, you heard that phrase a lot. Like, this is the best both political parties can come up with. Um, it's choosing the lesser of two evils. I get it, but how else do you vote when, the, when our political system says these are your two candidates? We understand there's some other parties. Okay, well, no, so let's, let's go down that route. Let's go down that, let's go down that route. They, I'm sorry, our political system is too broken, I think, for any one of those other libertarian green parties to make a so, case. I mean, so you would, you would be of the, would you support the philosophy that says, like, uh, uh, you know, like if you vote outside the binary system, like you're wasting your vote. Like, are you, are you? I probably would tend to say that. Yeah, not, I'm not going to die on that mountain, but I, I think, I, I, yeah. I, I think if we really want a third or fourth party in it, the system, put them on the debate stage and give them time. See, because the, think about that. The presidential debates, there's three debates. Who do we only see? The Republican and Democrat. So then we go to the ticket 
And although we go to the ticket and you see like there's five now options, I thought there were only two options. Well, I've only actually heard about those two options the entire time. So really, we've already put it, put blinders on to say those are our only two options. And for the majority, those are only the two options. So but, if we need to raise a voice, which I would be for raising those voices, I would be for 100% putting the Libertarian Party up on the debate stage, putting, I don't even, what other, there's a lot of I mean, other the Green parties. Party, there's, you know. Um, yeah, yeah I, I would 100% be a for, um before I think if your name is on the ticket, you ought to have debate stage time. Right, but if we're honest, like all presidential debates accomplish is highlighting how childish grown men can be. Well, <laughs> yeah, we may need to change the debate and how we do it. Like, I think we can have civil conversations without telling people to shut up or without interrupting a hundred bajillion times. We should be able to have we civil should, conversations. But it's unfortunately that that's the way. Unfortunately, this narrative of this political landscape has turned out for us, causing headaches watching these two gentlemen. And um, here's the thing, and, and then we can move on. Can we not be respectful to people? That's all I'm going to say. Just have a civil conversation and be respectful. Even if you disagree on issues, we can still be respectful for one another. Be kind to one another. We can still do that. So I want to, I'll throw my two cents in, and I, I don't always do this, but I'll throw my two cents in. Because I actually, I disagree with the, the binary system of, well, if, uh, if you don't vote for one of these, you're voting for one of these. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the idea that, well, hey, like if you, if you normally would vote Republican and you don't, then you're, you're voting for the Democrat. Uh, I, I think that that is how we've, we've uh, continued this cycle of like, having to choose between the lesser of two evils because we, we, we reinforce this mentality that, and, and honestly, like in some of the narratives, like we, we add guilt to it, like, oh, well, like, well, if you don't vote for one, then you're voting for the other, and the other one's a terrible human being. Um, what are you? What are you smirking about over because, there, man? Like, what you, <laughs> so this is the podcast you and I are going to probably disagree the most on that we've ever had podcasts. Yeah, and yet we still are civil and friends and coworkers. I'm just wondering: is this your punk rock attitude? So like, I, I'm going I really, to, I, I really don't think so. Although you're wasting a vote. That honestly, that vote doesn't matter. It's not going to change the. Because it's such a small percentage, and I don't think we can get a large enough percentage to do to make the change that we have a deeper issue. If we want more than two two parties running this country, we have a deeper issue. We need we need a complete government re reform if we're going to see. I think we ought to at least have three parties or get rid of parties. Wouldn't that be fun? To like this election, you have no idea. I mean, based on issues and where they stand, you'll know. But allow them allow like five people to be on the debate stage and no one knows their political affiliation and just go based on issues. But here's the issue. We will never have reform if we all continue to buy into a broken two-party system. So, but you, you would say the, re, the way to fix it is to throw your vote to the, one of those other parties that or, will not Or somewhere else. And hey, I'll be... See, and, I th and I think it's somewhere else. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be fully transparent. In 2016, I did not vote for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Yeah. I, I look through, hey, who are all the possibilities on the, on the ballot and, and whose values and, and policies can I get behind you know, the majority of, if not all of, 
you know, their policies. Sure. Uh, and that's who I voted for, mm-hmm. you know, because I, again, I, I think the more we, the more we buy into uh, the, well, no, you have to choose one of these two. Uh, the longer we're going to be stuck with a broken system. And clearly, clearly, you know, like it's, it's only getting more and more off the rails, you know, over the, again, if you look over the last, uh, I agree with that we few elections, it's yeah. The two party system is not working Correct. And, and not just from a presidential Correct. standpoint, the gridlock that we experience in the legislature because they spend most of their time just, you know, fighting, yeah. you know, you have, you have the, the, the Democrats, you know, walking out and refusing to participate in votes for uh, the, the Supreme Court nominee. It's like, really? Like, what is this? Like, I'm going to take my ball and go home, you know, and hey, and, and the Republicans have done it too. I'm not just picking on the Democrats, but I mean, we see such childish behavior. And I, I think some of that, I could be wrong. I'm open to the fact that I, that I'm, I could be wrong about all of this. Uh, I think some of that is, is a result of uh, the two-party system that we have. So, you, you know, you get everyone like, oh, well, no, hey, you, you can't win without me. So, huh, I'm just going to, I'm going to sleep in today, <laughs> not show up for a vote. No. Well, no. I mean, it's, it's broken. <laughs> we need reform. I don't have the answers to what that reform is, whether it is throwing your vote to those other candidates on the ballot, or is it a whole different thing? I, I don't know. I think we would all probably agree. I mean, there needs to be some sort of reform out there that changes the system up a little bit. Because you're right, it's just stalemating everything. And even though every candidate says they're for, for the citizens of this great nation, you can't walk out on certain things. Civil, respect, let's work together to accomplish the good for this country and the betterment of its people. So, so grab your tissues, we're ready for the issues. <laughs> Well, sort of, because I, I want to set it up oh, first with, oh, okay. uh, you know, sometimes people will vote based on one issue. Well, I mean, whether that's, you know, pro-life, pro-life, pro-choice or the economy or, you know, again, uh, you know, go back to when uh, former President Obama was running, you know, in, in kind of this whole like healthcare for everybody, you know, platform, you know, and that probably drove some of people's voting. Yeah. You know, people pick one issue and and that is why they vote. Yep. How do we justify supporting a candidate based on one or two issues while ignoring other policies that may be glaringly unbiblical? I wrestle with this. This is a good question. <laughs> I wrestle with it because you're right there. And this is okay. Um, I wrestle with it because... There are two approaches to voting. One approach is you're a one, one topic or one issue voter. Like you gave those examples. Some of you out there that listen, your issue is the pro-life, pro-abortion right there. I know some that work in unions. Um, you're a one issue voter. You will vote for the party that represents the unions better than the other parties. So you'd probably vote more Democrat. In those issues. Um, but then other people approach the issues and say, I'm going to take a more holistic approach. I'm not going to look at one issue. I'm going to pick that candidate that I think represents majority of the biblical worldview than one issue. I'm going to try. I think, I think someone that takes a holistic approach on issues is trying to, how many of these issues, let's say there's 10, 
if six of them represent the best biblical worldview of any of the other candidates, this candidate represents six better and the other candidate only represents two, I'm going to vote for the six because I have a more holistic approach to it. Now, I love this so conversation less, less, because this is where evils. I struggle. I mean, so, so really, it's the lesser of two evils. Again. Yeah, this is where I struggle because I, I am there. I think there is one issue on my heart that I that is deep to me. Um, but I do want to take a holistic approach because I think Jesus' model is holistic. I mean, he, he cares about right it, it, the whole, the whole. Um, but this is where we need to bring JB in because already, because... You two are opposites on this, if, if I may, if I'm not stepping bounds yet. Because you would take a more, Josh, you would take a more holistic approach. I would call it view. that, but that's probably, I have a bias towards thinking <laughs> my way is better. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I'll give them the analogy, right? I don't, so don't, don't, right? don't want to claim, I don't want to claim that my way is holistic okay. and his is somewhat, because sure. I do want to give him. Sure, I wanna, but I JB would be more of a one-issue voter. So I'm going to let you guys banter here in just a moment. But I want to, for those that are um, listening well, and watching, think about this. A, a one-issue voter is going to take 10 ping-pongs, white ping-pongs, and one's red. And that's the issue that matters most to them, right? A holistic approach is going to sit there and go, yes, that one red ping-pong does matter, but the nine other ping pong balls matter as well. And they're going to feel like the accumulation of those other ping pong may outweigh the one and make a more holistic biblical approach to the vote. So I'll give each of you, now I feel like the host. <laughs> You're moderator. moderating a debate. Each here. of you get 90 <laughs> seconds. I do not have a mute button. No, but uh, I do. JB does. <laughs> <laughs> but to give you guys just some time, because this is interesting. I mean, here we as pastors, we even vote differently. We just have a, we may not vote differently. We all agree Jesus is the main thing. We want to have a biblical approach to voting. But we just approach it differently. Right. And guess, and JB and I get along. Oh, yeah. Really, I, I love the guy. So yeah, this is not like a, <laughs> we're not going to be yelling Oh, this is what a civil debate is supposed to look like. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so JB, um, I mean, and we've had this conversation. And yeah. for those of you that are watching, yes, we realize JB is off camera. I have a face uh, for radio. That's right. He, and he podcasting. Says he says that all the time. I mean, and, and we've talked about this a little bit. Yeah. I mean, so in, in, because you, like Ryan, I mean, you do kind of, you look at like, hey, to, to not vote for one of the two is essentially Binary. to vote for one of the two, right? I mean, un give, give kind yeah, of your perspective on that a little I, bit. I do because I, I don't think I'm as much of an idealist as you are, Josh. Oh. Like, <laughs> and I also think, you know, you, you're revolutionary. You, you are a revolutionary, right? So your, your actions are, are actually towards a future that you want to see. So I'm like a glass half empty, and it's why I say that I think mm -hmm. it is binary because – if I thought that that future was possible for us to have a larger than a two-party system, I would be absolutely with you. Mm. But I just don't see that as possible. And because I don't, that's why I am in the slog of our, of our two-party system. And to go back to the two-party system, we, we actually do have plenty of debating across all platforms before candidates are elected by their parties. So you can watch debates from all of the parties 
before that party elects their candidate to represent them in the, isn't that the, not gubernatorial, that's for governor, isn't it? That's governor. Yeah. That's the gubernatorial. Um, so there is an opportunity, but yeah, to get everybody on a stage, that's post-election of the candidate within the party. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a complex system. It really is. <laughs> no, the way and they don't even get it. started on the electoral college. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should get started I, what's on the What's fun electoral. is like, we think we all have the right to vote in our say. Uh, it's not us. It's the electoral college that is the ones casting the votes that matter. Now, granted, our votes will elect certain people in the electoral college to be able to vote. But ultimately, it's the electoral college that has the say in not us, but that's fun. There you go. <laughs> so, but on the on the one issue, voting. I mean, speaking to that a little bit. I mean, because yeah. again, you and I have had conversations yeah. where I mean, there is one issue for you that. Yep. That that he okay, and in one sense, like his name has has made this hard to say. But for you, one issue that trumps everything. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it, and, it does, and I don't. I'm not, and if you're not comfortable saying what it is, you no, don't no. Have to, but I mean, for you, like, it, it's abortion. Okay. Yeah, I'm a pro-life voter exclusively. That I, I don't concern myself with fiscal policy. I don't concern myself with foreign policy. Uh, for the most part, it, it is pro-life, and and Josh, like I've I've pitched it to you before. I look at it as a math thing. So I want to qualify everything I'm about to say all of the issues that we may agree or disagree with about immigration, let's say, which is a serious issue between our two, two candidates. Immigrants on the other side of the border are alive. They're living. They're not living in the best place they want to be. They want to be where we live in the blessing of, of America, but they're, they have the gift of life in their bodies. Okay. Social justice. This is an issue between our two candidates that is stark, right? Um, even people who are experiencing racial oppression and, and perhaps systematic racism in our country have the gift of life. They're breathing creatures under, under heaven, under a creator. So the issue of abortion is such a stark issue for me because this is a, a truly life and death, death issue. What country I get to live in is not life and death. It could be... It could be, right, and even with, with systematic racism, it definitely could be a life or, life or death issue, but not to the same number. So I look at this issue and I put, I put two, my hands out, you guys can't see me on camera, as, as if there was a balance beam. And I literally, yes. I'll do it Ryan's for Ryan's doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I literally look at which candidate is going to sustain the most amount of life by their, their policies. And not just their policies, but their actual voting record. This is the really, really, really challenging thing because uh, there are false facts that come from, from media. There's true facts that come from media, right? But we have to go back and look at the actual voting record and see what, what has a candidate actually done? What have they said? And so, yeah, for me, it's like, which, which person's going to kill the least amount of people? I don't care what party they're a part of. That means nothing to me. The, the mm. ideas of Christian, alt-right, neocon, Republican thinking, that's it's not even in my mind anymore. It, it, is, it is the issue of abortion, and it is because of the, the, the numbers, the amount of life that is lost because of this issue. Uh, 
that informs my vote every time. Okay. So it's all about the numbers. <laughs> Is that, so, I mean, and I'm actually, I'm looking up. So like, I'm, yes. I'm just curious, like in the U S you know, cause you talk about, you know, uh, uh, racial injustice. Um, I mean, we could talk about poverty. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious. So I'm, I'm, I'm not well, as, here's a stat I'm for not you that will blow your mind. And it's so sobering that if you're listening or you're watching, this should shock you in the state of New York more African-American babies, male and female babies, are aborted, murdered, killed, than are born. So just for the, for the people like me who like to like dig in, like where, can you, where, where are you getting your stats? I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not questioning Definitely. them. I just like, I, I, I like it. Uh, well, that's good like for our listeners to, and viewers. It is. Yeah. I like to be able to have, check uh, everything that's yep. said. Yeah, and fact-checking is, is something we definitely need to do, um, without a doubt. But I, do I don't like know your, if I can your do point. that while we're... Okay. <laughs> no, you're, you're no, fine. No, you that's, yeah, no, no, that, that's fine. I just, I just want to yeah. try to point so people So, Josh, why don't you jump in then and talk about the holistic approach? So, the, so I, I would use the term holistic because more and more... And I, w- and I will say, JB, I mean, for a lot of my life, I was exactly like you. I mean hey, this is the one issue, this is more important than, than anything else. Uh, the older I've gotten, the less, the less convinced I am that that's the way to go because I, because I started to look at things and I said, I said man, like we're, we're voting for, for this candidate because they're, in theory, pro-life, which <clears throat> some of it too is, is, is cynicism about whether or not, and we can talk about this when we have like the broader, you know, pro-life, pro-choice conversation. Uh, there's a level of cynicism that, you know, they're a, they're a candidate who runs on a pro-life platform. Are they actually going to do anything sure. to, to enact change that would be pro-life? And there's actually uh, David Platten's book, and we'll get into this in a few minutes. He gives a, a, a grid, which I thought was, was really helpful to, to approach different issues. But, but looking at, okay, I'm going to vote for this candidate because they're, in theory, pro-life. Great. And even if they have an impact, like, am, I, am I affirming their other policies that would go against? And, and, you, you, know, and you and I had a conversation you know, kind of about that. Like, and, that and that's where it gets, it gets messy is to what level am I affirming all of the policies of this candidate. A vote is an affirmation. Right. So, so, mm-hmm. so, and, and I would imagine, right. And I don't, I don't want to put words. So speak into this. Like, so let's, um, we'll just, we'll just call a spade a spade. Right. So, I mean, so with president Trump, mm-hmm. like, Hey, he, he ran on the pro-life platform, you know, and, and you would say, Hey, I can get behind that. What what is the process like for you as you as you look at some of his other policies that you know not not necessarily like to where they're like you know terrible horrible policies but they they don't line up necessarily with what scripture calls us to how do you how do you weigh that out I know I know you said it's about the numbers mm-hmm. but but if if a vote is an affirmation right. I don't, I don't know. Just walk, walk through that with me because yeah. then to say, Hey, well, like I, I, I will affirm the pro-life stance, 
But at the same time, if you're affirming uh, maybe a policy on immigration that isn't biblical, a policy on, uh, you know, like welfare and, and, and helps type funding uh, that isn't isn't doesn't reflect what we're called. I want to be careful too when I say biblical. The Bible doesn't tell us how to structure policy for welfare. Uh, I mean, so I, I do want to be really careful there too. Um, I don't it know. Actually, just, does but okay. Well, sp- speak into that. I mean, in the Old Testament, the welfare system was really plain. You left the corners of your fields and your vineyards open, and the poor were welcome in any field and in any vineyard to meet their needs. Um, and we see this most evidently in the story of Ruth, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this beautiful, beautiful picture. So I think the challenge is, and we had this conversation off camera and off mic, I have come to a, a place this year where just voting pro-life, God's saying to me, that's not enough. Mm. It's not enough just to forward a podcast to your friends about abortion or to post something on social media about abortion. That's not enough for you anymore, Josh. For me, JB, I'm not saying to you, Josh, me, JB. But it wouldn't be enough for me. I mean, because, yeah. yeah, I mean, the that's same not enough. applies. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, you know, a good friend, well, the producer of this podcast, Jameson uh, Schaefer, really challenged me to, to think more holistically about providing a Christian s- a support and solution to the many young women every year who are faced with this issue. They've got a hard decision. I, I, I talked to my daughter, Leah, recently. She's 14 years old. And my son, Micah, is in the car with me. He's 11. I said, Guys, imagine if Leah was pregnant right now and she's trying to go to school and she's trying to get her education and she's basically a child herself at 14 and now she's supposed to take care of a baby, another living person when she's struggling herself. Man, that's a really, really hard decision. So what am I as a believer in Jesus doing to come alongside this young woman who could be my daughter or even younger? There's 12-year-old girls, you know, that are, that are getting pregnant. What am I doing besides just voting or just posting or sharing to help, to do something? Get off my butt, pardon the expression, and be a part of the change. No, that, I mean, and that's really good. And I think that, that applies across, I, I mean, probably any issue that people get yeah. fired up and passionate about. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, addressing poverty or whatnot. You know, but yeah, I mean, just kind of getting back to my, my perspective, it's trying to look at um, how can I, how can I, with my vote, how can I try to cast as wide of a net as possible? That's why I said, you know, so in 2016, I looked and said, well, hey, pro-life is an issue that's important to me. But so is, you know, making sure that we have a, a good system in place to care for you know, people that are, are, they don't have the economic means to, to be self-sufficient. You know, so is, you know, immigration. Again, we'll talk about that probably in a couple of minutes. But, I mean, what is, what is their stance on immigration? Uh, so, yeah, I just, I try to cast as wide of a net. So, not dissimilar to what you're saying. Hey, like, this one meets six out of the ten. This one meets, I just look outside when necessary, when, when I feel it's necessary. I look outside the binary system to find the, hey, well, this one, they're not one of the two main, but they, they have eight of the 10, you know, criteria. Like this is, this is a person that I could, you know, more readily affirm. I mean, just to use that, to use that language. But I don't know, is that, we, we both went way more than 90 seconds. We're, we could be presidential nominees, Jamie. <laughs> I can be a president. I can be a moderator too, because I didn't stop it. <laughs> 
Oh boy. So there we go. Did you have anything else you wanted to throw in on that one, Ryan or JB? Okay. Okay. All right. I want to give as we as we start to unpack some issues, and we'll hear more from JB uh, here probably pretty pretty soon because um, we want to get his his thoughts on this. But I want to talk about uh, and and this is really hard for those of you that are listening, especially. Um, I'm going to reference a grid that David Platt in his book Before You Vote. This is one of the resources we've referenced, I think, in every episode of the the Faith and Politics series. Um, he gives you a grid, and and he says, hey, as you approach voting, uh, take issues. He uses eight. I'm going to see if I can find He He breaks it down into like eight categories. He doesn't say that that's all there is. Um, but domestic policy, the economy, the environment, foreign policy, national security, healthcare, immigration, personal character and morality, and social issues, which uh, for him, social issues would be things like um, marriage and uh, abortion and you know things like that. So he, he creates a, a grid. This is a, a, you've got four boxes. I'm going to try to describe this. You've got four boxes on, on, on the left side. And I'm trying to remember back to my, my, is that the Y axis or the, you know, in a graph, in a graph, Y is your vertical axis, mm-hmm. right? So on that, you would, you have the category biblical clarity. And then on your, on your horizontal, you've got practical consequences, so you have this you have this quadrant, and I'm probably going to do a terrible job illustrating this. Buy the go buy his book, <laughs> and you can and you can use this. So what he does, he, what he suggests is you look at each issue, you know each each you know category of issues, and then you would plot this on the graph, you know. So on the biblical on the y-axis, biblical clarity. What does Scripture say about this? Do we have a clear case from Scripture? on what we should do with, again, say, pro-life. Or what we should do with economic issues, with what we should do with immigration. You know, and so the, the, you would plot that on the vertical axis. And then practical consequences is exactly what it sounds like. It's practical consequences. Now, the problem, not, not the problem. I want, I want to correct that. Not the problem. Where it gets challenging is... Um, we might look at the practical issues. Well, JB, you and I might look at the practical issues uh, differently. So let's let's take pro-life, and you would and, and you would say, hey, and we'll get into this more in a few minutes. You'd say, hey, there's good biblical clarity on pro-life, so that's really up there on the on the vertical axis. And maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, you would say the practical consequences, dude. If we don't do something to change policy, millions of babies are dying. And you would say that, so that's really, you know, far along on that horizontal axis. So you've got high biblical clarity, you know, a lot of practical consequences. For you then, that is a significant thing. Versus, honestly, like the more I, the more I look at it, <clears throat> I look at something like, uh, you know, pro-life legislation. And I say, yeah, okay, yes, even if we've got high biblical clarity, practical consequences, I would look at it, are they actually going to change policy? Because if they don't change policy, we're not actually saving any babies' lives. So I would. So we can look at it and both both look at biblical clarity and practical consequences and arrive at addition, addition, a different uh, conclusion about how we feel. But I, I just love this grid because it does actually make you think through, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. Does the way you vote reflect what we have in Scripture? 
There you go. There you go. So again, that's in his book before you vote uh, by David Platt. Super, super handy grid. What are you thinking over there? No, Ryan? that's what, when you guys are going back and forth about um, just earlier, I was looking at that grid. I think it's really good. I mean, I, I think like David Plant encourages you those eight big things, if you will, plot it out and see what candidate you feel is more in the high biblical clarity with high practical consequences. And that's his voting guide to help you clarify which candidate do you think should vote. But I love the idea that you bring biblical clarity into the vote. Not just, well, this is always what generations of my family did, and we don't even think about it. We just become a one-party voter, and that's just what, who we are then. But, yeah. Yep, there you go. So let's, let's talk a little bit about issues. And, and some of these people get pretty passionate about. Some of them uh, maybe not so much. I don't know. Um, well, the first one we'll, we'll actually jump right into, and we've, we've been talking about it, is pro-life uh, or pro-choice. Yeah. So for starters... Right, and and this is something I, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll let you I'll let you tackle this one, you too, because I have. You would. Is there a biblical case for a pro-life stance? Absolutely. It, what is it? Give me the biblical case. Defend a pro, and I, again, I'm I'm being a little bit of de- devil's advocate here. Yeah, you are. Because even even in his book, right? Even you know, uh, so David Platt, like. He says, man, like there's high, he would say there's high biblical clarity on the pro-life issue. I'm here, my wife tells me sometimes that I'm too good at at devil's advocate, Um, but that's the role I'm going to play right now. That's unfortunate. (laughs) Defend a pro-life stance. Okay, before we get into our whole thing, okay, before we get into our disagreements. Do you want me to defend a pro-life stance or a pro-baby stance? (laughs) What one? Okay, let's let's get into our. Uh, let's talk about our disagreement first to clear that. Okay. Okay. okay so okay. so Ryan, when you say pro life, what does that mean to you? So I take a holistic <laughs> approach to whole life or pro life. Life to me is conception to whatever depth till you take your last breath. When I say pro life, I I think it's just. It's, it's language to me. It, it's the little things. Because I think a lot of people, I take pro, I, I take, I'm trying to, <laughs> life to me encompasses it all. So I, I side on, on more, I'm, I'm against the death penalty. Because I'm for keeping someone alive and the chances are them serving a lifetime in prison, but a prison ministry getting them saved. I will side on that probably more than anything. So when I hear pro-life, I am not for any taking of life. So, so you, I mean, would you... I, that's what I hear when I hear the word pro-life. Would you go so far then to say that if somebody <laughs> supports the death penalty, they aren't truly pro-life? I, I don't know if I would say that. I mean, you and I banter because you, Kim, am I allowed to say this? Yeah, oh yeah. You, you support the death penalty. This is your and I's banter. This is why I think when we say I'm pro-life, I always jokingly say, are you really? <laughs> because you are for, if you will, the killing of someone. Yes, if they are on death row, they have done something terribly sinfully wrong. Don't get me wrong. They have. 
And I feel like sometimes what we do is we view the baby pro-life issue and we're for conception, we're for that life, but why do we stop there? Why are we there? But just because, and I know your difference, that is an innocent life versus the person on death row, they've done something horrifically wrong and probably have taken life at that point. Um, but I'm for chance of God getting into every single individual for as long as possible. And if that means sitting in prison for your life, I'm for it because I know there's prison ministries out there and people get saved because of prison ministries. That's all. So when I view pro-life, I'm holistic. I take life as whole. Not just, to me, it's a microscopic look at life and we make it about that conception baby issue and not life as a whole. Which I would, I would in a sense, agree that, that there's, a, there's a, just a pro-baby aspect to pro-life. But I come at it from a slightly different angle, but I want to camp out on the death penalty here for a minute. So give me, from your perspective, on you're saying, hey, like we shouldn't have the death penalty. We got to give these guys a chance to meet Jesus, uh, yeah. get, get saved. Give me a biblical defense for that stance. Okay. Uh, here it is. Uh, I'm pulling it up. Oh, no. <laughs> Where'd it go? Convenient time for your document to disappear. I thought it was John 8. Maybe not. Okay, so, um, all right. We're to be like Jesus, right? Woman caught in adultery. By all laws, Old Testament laws, she is to be stoned to death. That is the death penalty in the ancient world. She is to be stoned to death. Rightfully so, that's the law. But what does Jesus come? Jesus could have been the one to throw the stone, but he doesn't, right? He throw what it was JV's raising his hand. Actually not. <laughs> he, he couldn't have thrown the stone because here, here's why. The Old Testament says for death penalty, there has to be two witnesses. Yeah, it, it's Deuteronomy, right? Uh, Deuteronomy 18.15. So two to three witnesses. Yeah. Yeah, when he finds them, or he's told about the, this, this woman and this 15, man, 15. he cannot obey what the Torah says because there aren't supplied witnesses. It's the same reason why he initially wasn't crucified. Because the, the witnesses wouldn't agree. They would not they, agree. They, 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 get, agree. they couldn't get yeah. witnesses that would agree. Because they were, they, were <laughs> they were all puppet witnesses of the, yeah. of the Sanhedrin. It's in Deuteronomy. The, on the count of two to three witnesses yeah. is what you need. For death. Other things, you didn't need that. But for, for the death penalty, it required witnesses. He called for the witnesses. He wanted to be obedient to Torah. He said, hey, the command is this. Who's, who's going to come and cast the first stone? Because the, the casting of the stone is the witness. I saw it, and I'm willing to be so obedient to what I think the Bible says. I'm going to pick up a rock and throw it at another, uh, another human being for the intention of killing them. This is serious business. Very serious business. In that moment. But, but I mean, but did you see, I mean, there, there's the, you know, we, we will often go to that passage for like a, a you know, right. hey, this is the, that full 
load of grace and truth. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. so you would, yeah, and, and you see people run to you know Matthew five. You, you've, Jesus says, "You've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth." A lot of people sit there and say, "Well, you kill, then we kill you." You know, that's premises. But then Jesus goes on, and you can use many people have used that. But I tell you, don't re- resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. I mean, he's not saying allow evil to persist. That's not what Jesus is getting at either. But I think you can make an argument looking at the life of Jesus. I would Look at what God says. My heart is that everyone be saved. I have a hard time being in, to me, it's playing God a little bit and saying, I'm going to be the one to end your life right now. Again, I'm for you sitting in prison. I'm for you being educated in prison. I'm for prison reform. I'm for prison ministries to get in there and get the gospel message to those prisoners who probably desperately need Jesus. I'm all for that. So I want to keep you alive as long as possible um, to possibly not knowing you may experience that and come into salvation. Okay. There you have it, folks. That's the, that's the, uh, now I, I will just because, and again, I don't, I don't always do this, but I will give my, my two cents worth. So, I mean, you, you, you referenced Matthew, you referenced the Sermon on the Mount, right? And, and we have this in Matthew 5, 38. It says, you have heard that the law says the punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say do not resist an evil person. Now, I find it interesting because if you look at the Deuteronomy where this happens, hey, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, uh, in that same uh, sentence is life for a life. Jesus doesn't use that. Is And I don't know for sure because, I, I mean, this is him not saying it isn't necessarily proof. Right. But right. is it significant? Could it be significant that he does not uh, use that as part of his call to a higher standard? He says, hey, these are, because he takes, you know, two-thirds or half of the, of the tit-for-tat kind of uh, approach to justice. And he says, hey, I want to call you to something different. He leaves off maybe the most significant one, a life for a life. Um, I mean, so, the, so there's that. But I would also go back to Genesis chapter 9, right? Noah and his family have just come off the ark. And... Uh, you know, he's, he's there. This is a a total reset on humanity, right? And within that, you see God give Noah. So, and I, I I think that's significant because this is not something that we look at and say, oh, well, that was part of the old covenant. That was, you know, Jesus came to fulfill everything you're going to say in this moment. See, but here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He's he, in the reset of humanity, he says, if anyone takes life, his life is forfeit. And so, and Understand we, the we Hebrew also word know, of, forf- of forfeit. Just well, remember I don't, that, what that means. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Genesis 9. I'm going to go to Genesis 9. But also, what Jesus came to do, da-da-da, where are we going? Uh, this is 9, verse 6. If anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God made human beings in his own image. So... You, again, reset of humanity. He says, okay, within, within the new structure, this is the way it is. If you take a life, if you do something to, to kill an image bearer of God, like your, your life is to be taken. 
<clears throat> Additionally, what Jesus came to do, and yes, you know, we say, hey, he came to fulfill everything, and oh, like, isn't, isn't the New Testament all about forgiveness and love and being a hippie? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Coming from a Pharisee. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's important to, to separate out. What Jesus came to do was uh, primarily a spiritual, uh, he had spiritual change. Right, what Jesus came to do, which actually Jesus embodied the idea that it's a life for a life, because all of us are, you know, the wages of sin is death. That's in Romans, yeah. right? So, because of sin, we should die. He took our place in that. That was a spiritual transaction. Yeah. Jesus does not come and say, "Hey, I am going to remove all of the consequences for your sin." Sure. He, he doesn't do that. And there are cases, and, and I would say, again, I, I, I support the death penalty, in as much as it is, it is carried, carried out uh, with extreme caution, that you have, hey, we don't want to end up, because there have been cases where, hey, this person's on death row, oh, turns out they didn't do it. Like, I'm not, I'm not looking at a blanket, hey, just throw this bug around, let's just start you know, knocking people off. Uh, in as much as, as due diligence has been done to arrive at the conclusion that the penalty for what somebody has done is death, then I think that's, that is at times the appropriate uh, consequence. Because Jesus didn't come to take that away. You know, if you, if you go out and, and um, well, I don't want to use you because I don't want it to be about, so like, hey, let's say there's a guy out there named Fred. Right, and he goes out and he has an affair. Right, like I mean, the the fallout from that could be significant. Does Jesus can Jesus forgive that? In a spiritual sense, there can be forgiveness, there can be restoration, and and his relationship with God can be made whole. That will not automatically mean the fallout with his kids and his and his spouse and all of that just magically goes away. Or him physically away. contracting a disease in that sexual encounter that takes his life. Right. I mean, that, that doesn't go away. I mean, he's, 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 in a sense, reaping what he sowed, you know, and, and there are times where that, that is, is death. I mean, what you've done, uh, I mean, there's no, other, there's no other consequence that fits the crime. You know, you look at somebody, like, and I remember, dude, I was tore up about this as a teen, I think as a teenager, when Timothy McVeigh bombed uh, the uh, the Oklahoma State bombing, right? And I was tore up because, I mean, I read, like, his statements, dude, like, before he was, like, there was, dude, they were scary dude, scary, scary dude. But, I mean, what, 168 people he killed. And it's like, at some point, when is, when is it justice, right? And, and how do we understand mercy if there isn't actually justice? I, I don't know. I, so I, I, wrestle, I wrestle with those things, so... I don't <laughs> so are we to execute justice or in judgment or is God? So we know from Romans 13, spiritual justice. Paul talks about, Paul talks about spiritual, right? But Romans 13, Paul is talking about the government and he says one of the, one of the roles of government, he says, they don't bear the sword for nothing. Mm -hmm. And now maybe you've got like a, a cultural ace up your sleeve here, right? But I, they didn't use the sword to spank people, right? I mean that was a that was a capital, a capital punishment, 
uh, instrument right there. You know, you used uh, Timothy McVeigh as an example. I mean, uh, he would still be alive today if he was not executed. In, in uh, theory. The death yeah. penalty, right. If he wasn't killed in prison for another reason or whatever. Um, my heart just goes out and sits there and goes, what happened if that prison ministry could have reached his heart? And he became saved and he becomes the greatest evangelist in that prison. But we cut that opportunity short. I mean, we, we don't know, right? We, we, we don't know. Um, but I want to give everyone the chance. And maybe some people say, well, they had their chance to receive the gospel message or whatever. Um, yeah, it's hard. But we disagree on that yet. <laughs> so. Now I would. I mean, from a so getting back to kind of like the pro life thing. I mean, because I would. That's why I, I say pro life, and I always say, really, are you really pro life? And now I wouldn't. I wouldn't support baby? you know euthanasia, you know things like that. But yes, uh, I, I. Huh. Interesting. That should be a whole nother campfire discussion with you and I. All right. Okay. <laughs> we'll get a fire scheduled here. <laughs> you don't support euthanasia, but you're for the death penalty. All right. Again, cons- the consequences of your action: <laughs> reaping what you sow. Reaping what you sow. Uh, <laughs> um, but let's, I want to bounce back now to, we'll stick strictly with the, the abortion side of things. What is the biblical case that a, that a follower of Jesus could say, oh, well, this is where in scripture we have, we have guidance that says, no, a pro-life uh, stance is the, is the most biblical clear stance. I don't know, I worded that kind of weird. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know JB wants to probably chime in on this. I want to read one verse, and this is the verse that, as a kid's pastor, we sang a song to, and we had a good time with hand motions and stuff. But Psalm 139, I just love um, Psalm 139, 13 through 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So do you think, and again, I'm, a lot of this, I think I'm just going to be devil's advocate. I, re- I really, <laughs> I really It's kind of annoying. <laughs> isn't, isn't that just poetry? Well, sure. Uh, all, of, all of Psalm is Hebrew poetry. But are you tell, are you saying that there cannot be biblical foundational truth in poetry? Again, I'm just being devil's advocate here. Stop. <laughs> you don't have to be, Josh. Well, you, you, you've self-identified there. You don't have to be the devil's advocate. No, but but I think it's you bring it balance to the conversation. I think it's important. I mean, for for balance of the conversation, but also, I mean, I mean, there there might be people listening, and that's really they're like really like you've got one verse. No, no. And what do you do about? No, that's the one that touches me personally the most. Because here, and this is something that for me personally does, and this is where you know, from more of the holistic issue, Mm -hmm. like, hey, okay, great, you gave me one verse that you say that that doesn't apply to abortion. There are hundreds of verses about the way we treat the poor. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Hundreds. Yes. I mean, to where it's like, okay, yes. so, so and, and JB, this will get back to kind of like the one issue. I'm like, hundreds of verses in scripture about the poor, you gave me one. So, I mean, I do want to give you, I mean, you guys want to speak into more, you know, of a scriptural basis uh, with the abortion we'll thing. JB speak. But yeah, because that's where that, to me, yeah. like, uh, as far I as think the, it, the scale. I think it starts so. right in Genesis chapter one. 
You know, Genesis one twenty seven, God created man in his own image. You use the term, Josh, image bearers. Babies are image bearers of, of the creator of the universe. And so I, I like what Ryan said. You kind of take, when you're speaking of the death panel, we, we ascend to the throne and we take on godship, so to speak, by destroying life. And to the poor, an abortion question too, Josh, just another, another toss back on that, uh, is uh, aborted babies can't even be poor. They never even get the opportunity to, to be poor. Their lives are snuffed out. Job 33, 4, the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Psalm 119, your hands made me and formed me. Job 10, you clothed me with skin and flesh. You knit me together with bones and sinews. You, God in heaven, have granted me life and steadfast love. Uh, I think about what Jesus talks about, these little ones who are trying to even get to him. To, to make a connection with God. And what do his disciples say? Uh, don't bother him, you know. And Jesus is like, don't suffer the little ones to come to me. So I, I think that the reason that I still camp there are, are these, same, these same... Psalm 1 is really where I stay the most because it challenges God entirely. It challenges the gospel message. I also go back to Leviticus 17. Uh, Leviticus says the life is in the blood and Hebrews says without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins like the gospel message is actually wrapped up in life and death it's it the whole story of God's redemption is that a human was born and conceived miraculously you know born from Mary lived this perfectly obedient life and then shed blood died in our place I think when the personhood of a, of a creature of God is questioned, like the conception question, it, it, it's a direct challenge of what God says we are in his word. It's to say that we aren't image bearers, that we aren't created. And we could go down a whole other rabbit trail because this is the same place people diverge in other biblical things. Hmm. It's easy to create a, another narrative about all sorts of things in life as a way to say that there isn't a creator in heaven who I will answer to one day. Mm. If there's no creator and I don't have anybody to answer to, morality isn't real and I can do whatever I want to do. But if the biblical narrative is true, that there is a God in heaven and I will answer to him, then what? That's the the million-dollar question. Then what? Mm -hmm. So, and I guess guess for the two of you, uh, I mean, a little bit on, on that, you know, so you're talking about the we can we can appreciate the value of preborn life, but do you think? And JB, you'd maybe hit on a little bit with like the or one of you with like the innocence issue, right? But like, but like, is there anything that would tell us that that carries more weight? Because you know, when I when I talk about hey, like I want to look at well, how are we treating the poor? How are we treating the immigrant? You know, in one sense, and I want to I want to tread carefully here because this isn't even fully fleshed out in my mind. So mm-hmm. just bear bear with me. But like, isn't, isn't existing life, don't I have more of a call to, to minister to those who have existing life than potential life? Like, is, do we have anything in scripture that would actually say, no, like this one, because of the innocence, because of its complete inability to, to do anything. But I mean, so let's, let's bring in a little bit of immigration, right? 
I mean, really, like, how much control over her destiny does a little four-year-old girl who's trying to come up from Central America have? I mean, over the course of her life, isn't isn't there as much or more weight? Because I can do something to help her right now mm-hmm. versus, hey, like, if we keep going, millions of babies over the next couple of years are going to be are going to be aborted. But I, I just, I mean, just yeah. Do, do the do the do the math though. Let's 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 name this this child. So this this young girl who's coming up from Central America. Answer that question. What can you do for that one child that's coming from Central America? Now, answer the question. What can you do every ninety six seconds in the United States of America for a child that's killed? What can I do? And so if your particular action, like my, my, I can only, I'm not omnipresent, like I can only be in one place at one time. What can I do for that, that girl coming up from Central America? I could uh, do the adoption thing, you know, and, and help and pay for education and support that one person. But with a vote and a pro-life vote, I'm casting the biggest net for, for, for protecting and guarding life based upon stats, not potential life. You said potential life. We're well, talking okay, about I do want to clarify that. I want, yeah. I want to clarify that. Potential life in that, yeah, yes. They haven't I'm, been born yet. I'm not, yeah, they haven't been born I got yet. you. Versus, versus and I'm not, that is not a, it's not a when does life begin. That's not a That's not what you were saying. That's no, not what I'm saying. That. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. But No, what I was saying was, was if, if you just, if you take the last 12 months of stats in the, in, in the United States and extrapolate that 12 months into the future and then look at the differences that should bring clarity to what you as a single individual can and cannot do. Um, you know, barring the adoption thing or barring going down into Central America and making their lives better, which I pray some Christians will absolutely do. Um, and we've, you know, our church has been a part of some things like that. But, but even f- but from a policy standpoint, right. so let's just look at a policy. Hey, like, could I su- are there policies that I could support that would make it you know, easier for this little four-year-old girl and her family to come in to, you know, you know whether it's oppression, whether it's, you know, yeah, to, yeah. to be in a situation where they have the opportunity to uh, have a more stable, less dangerous yeah. existence. Yeah. But anything you want to throw in there? We get a little bit on immigration there. But, <clears throat> which, dude, we're at almost an hour on this bad boy, and we've only hit on one issue. <laughs> <laughs> we pause and go again. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you want? What do you want to do, Ryan? Because I mean, I don't think I don't think the other, I don't think the other issues. Maybe uh, it depends on how. I mean, we don't have to belabor the other issues, though. Okay, so let's let's try to. Let, this will just be bear with us, guys. This is an extra long episode. Um, Joe Rogan goes three hours. Are you serious? Carrie Newhoff went two hours and 45 minutes. Like, well, most uh, of his are like an hour and a half. Right. But with yeah. Gordon McDonald here a few weeks ago, he's two hours and 45 minutes. I listened to that podcast twice, and I will listen to it again. It was <laughs> that meaningful. Who was the, who was the guest, did you say? Gordon McDonald. Gordon McDonald. Carrie and Gordon unpacked Gordon's 15 keys to life. <laughs> this I'm serious. Wow. It, was, it was amazing, but we're, <laughs> I, I derailed us. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. Um, Anything that either of you want to add to the to the pro life issue before we? Because I will say I was a little bit surprised. Okay, and I so, and this is this is David and I and I'm looking for the page. So do not take this as a direct quote. 
Um, but he does seem to make the assumption. I wish I could find it. So please, 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 nobody get mad at David Platt about this because if I misrepresent him, that's my fault. That isn't his fault. Um, but I mean, kind of the assumption that if you are a follower of Jesus, ain't no way you're supporting abortion. I, do you guys want to speak into that? Uh, <laughs> Ryan and JV. I know. I know. I'm JV's not afraid. A, I know JV's opinion. I'm not afraid. Um, yeah, I just I have a hard time understanding, and it's me personally how a person filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that guides us and directs us on a daily basis, could affirm a pro-choice decision. I have a hard time. I don't have a hard time a vote in any other direction, in any other way, in any other candidate or party or policy, nothing else, no question or concern, but it, it's hard for me to grasp that. This is one issue that the two political parties are complete opposite. There's, there's, no, saying, there's no middle there's no ground. I mean, right. both parties are for taxation. They may come at it at a different method of yeah. who we should tax more, right? But they're both for taxation, right? Um, they're both for certain welfare things like that. They come from it at a different angle. But when it comes to this issue, this is polar opposite. One is kill life, one's um, sustain life. Completely polar opposites. And the policies prove that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Voting um, records I, prove it. I would say, I mean, what JB said, just to piggyback, be careful on, well, we have a right to our, it goes back to the, I, we idolize self. Well, I have the right to decide. <laughs> then you make you larger than God in others. And as Christ followers, God and others, God and others. Be very careful when you say, well, I have the right to, you idolize yourself. Automatically, when, we, when those words begin to leave our mouth, we've idolized self above God and others. Which, and I will say, and now I want to be very clear that, again, you could say I'm taking this out of context, right? But Because one of the arguments with, with a, a, a pro-choice, now, and, okay, here's where, it gets, here's where it gets tricky, right? Because <clears throat> we're talking about the way you vote, right? And, and whether or not we affirm policies. Because we do have to be careful here that we aren't, uh, uh, putting Christian morality on unbelievers. We talked mm-hmm. about that early on, right? I think, in one of the pod- yes. in one of the, the yes, political we episodes. Did. Yes, great um, job to bring that up. So I so I do want to I do want to clarify. Like we're talking about the way you vote. Like if you are a believer, and, and whether or not you vote, you know, pro-choice and and you know whatever arguments you you would make for that. I was listening to a podcast. Uh, Pastor JB sent us a podcast. Uh, I mean, there's some, some good stuff in it. I mean, and he, he talks a little bit about the, the idea of uh, one of the arguments for pro-choice is, is bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is my body. I do what I want. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, if you're a follower of Jesus, 6, 9, is it 6, 9? Uh, you are not your own. <laughs> your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, now, granted, this was in the context of this was uh, sexual purity and and you know not being involved in temple worship and temple prostitution, you know all that good stuff. But uh, it does kind of buck the general principle 
that you are not your own. We do not have bodily autonomy. Uh, so we do have to, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, <laughs> that is something to, to bring into your self-conversation. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else you want to add on that? Okay. All right. Um, we've hinted at this. Let's, let's talk briefly about immigration. Because I will say, I was surprised. I got a flyer in the mail. <laughs> in the what? In the, <clears throat> from the Postal Service. <laughs> a flyer from the Postal Service. Was it a Christian or pagan postal? Oh, mail? good grief. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <But> the name. <laughs> you ever feel like you're in a hostile work environment, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> I'm going to get a coffee cup through this. Is from, <laughs> this is from the Faith and Freedom Coalition. I didn't know much about this group but it's a it's a voter guide and they show you know the presidential nominees and uh the senate nominees and they just go through a list of issues and say oh well hey here's how this person is voted here's how this person is voted you know do they support this do they support that blah 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 and i was like okay well i want to look it up so i got on their website and i'm looking at immigration <clears throat> and they're talking they've got some good stuff but at the bottom they're like Again, so this is trying to come from a faith perspective. Like, hey, we want you to like, we want to give you information to, to bring your faith to bear when you vote. But they're talking about building a fence. And I'm like, how in the world are you making a faith-based case to build a fence? Like, and, and not a because- A baseball fence? <laughs> a border fence. Oh, uh, I'm like, mean what? a wall. <laughs> a wall. Okay. You know, and I'm like, I'm like what? Um, now, to be clear- I was going to say, you probably just shocked a bunch of listeners and viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Why would that be a shock? Because there are many in the faith community that says, build that wall. Build that wall. Because of your reference to Romans 13. Which, and, 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 this, is where I, I, and this is where I think it gets a little bit, li, little bit muddier, right? In that, I would say... And I could be wrong. JB, you, you, you gave me some good feedback on the welfare thing. You know, I mean, which, I mean, the practical application today is a little bit different because most of us don't have fields that we can leave crap on the edges of. Um, but an agrarian lifestyle just meant livelihood. So that still applies to the Christian. What's my livelihood? Do I take every single solitary penny that I get in my check and I keep it for, for myself? Or do I, do I take the edges for first tithing to my worship at, at the church and then communally in the town and city I live, giving, giving. Don't take all the excess. This is why we gave you a mic because okay. this is good. Because <laughs> we want, no, because that's really good. Because I mean, really earlier when you brought that up, I'm like, great. But like, I, I need like a, a core principle and you just gave a core principle. So that, that, was, that was really good. That was helpful. Um, but we don't have it in scripture where it says, hey, you should or should not build a wall. <laughs> At your border. Um, yes, there's Romans 13. Hey, I mean, the, the government does have a role in, in you know, mm -hmm. legislating what happens here. But I think my, my biggest uh, pushback on this was, again, like, whoa, like, you're, you're talking about good. You want families to be together. We need a border wall. I'm like, wait, like, wait. Like, people are reading this thinking, oh, this is the, the quote-unquote Christian position. Um, which, first of all, I think that term gets misused sometimes because there isn't always a clear, quote-unquote, Christian position on every issue. Um, but let's, let's talk immigration. Like, what is a... 
what are you thinking over there, right? You're, you're thinking something. <laughs> this one's fun. No, I had a conversation. I said it at church uh, maybe back in, oh, back in February. I even said it on stage. You know, I said, hey, I'm more than welcome to talk about my, my belief, where I stand on, on the wall and how we should deal with the foreigner coming into our country. And um, I'll say this. I, I think we got to do better welcoming the foreigner. I am not one to sit there and say, build that wall, keep all those people out. Because listen, there are good people fleeing oppression that need to come here. Is there a right way to come to America? Yes. But how can we help them at the border that they're good to come in? And what a wall does is it just literally says, you're unwelcome, we don't want you. I don't have a solution. What do you do? Put certain centers within the wall so people can come and we welcome you from the oppression we get you what you need and then you come in the country i i I don't know maybe that's the answer I, i i don't know but i listen jesus was a refugee think about that he fled his own country israel and went to egypt for how long and then came back because they were killing every baby under the age of two He was a refugee at one point in his life. We have to understand that. And I know it's hard to wrap our head around that the Savior of the world, the Son of God, was a refugee. He was. He was fleeing the oppression. His family was fleeing for the life of their son to go to another country until he was the the, the leader. Why am I drawing a blank? Herod, thank you. (laughs) Was gone, and then they went back. Matthew 25, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes to clothe you? When did you see the sick or in prison to go visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Leviticus, when immigrants live in your land with you, do not cheat them. Any immigrant who lives with you must be treated as if they're one of your own citizens. You must love them as yourself because you were immigrants in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And there's other verses to go on. But, but, not, that, but that kind of hits on, in a sense, what our posture should be. Yet, yeah, no, we don't have scriptures that say this is the way you should structure your immigration policy. Right. But right. We, can, we can glean principles as to what our posture as followers of Jesus should be towards people who are immigrants. Right. right. And I'm not saying, like, we just let everyone come and run our country crazy. I, I, I'm not saying that. But there is a posture to receive them. And um, I think there's a better way than what we have been doing currently to receive immigrants and stuff. And I don't think a wall is the answer to all that. Um, maybe a wall for security person. And remember, like, retention center or something that can help people get what they need to come into our country. Because I'm not for everyone doing it illegally. Don't get me wrong. I'm not for that. There's a right way to come in, but there's a right way to respond to those that are fleeing horrible living situations. And they're coming to America because we live in a great nation with freedom and all this stuff. And this is where they want to be. Why do we not welcome them in and help that family out better than what we're currently doing? Okay. No, that's good. That's good. So our posture is important, and our posture should Absolutely. reflect a a, a Jesus uh, type thing. Yes. Um, 
Anything else you want to add on immigration? Or JB? Again, I'd, I'd like I like. I don't I'd, know enough to comment on this. I really don't. But other than the posture, the heart posture has to be towards those. Ryan, I think, says this often. Do for one that you can do for many. And I, I take it back to just, I, I don't know what I can do about the border south of us or north of us, but what can I do in my own town mm-hmm. uh, for people who are immigrants? What can I do for them? I think those lines. No, that's, I mean, that's good. That's like, that's a, you know, so, boots so on no, the ground. I want to talk about this. I had a friend that um, their church was going to become like a center to help illegals become citizens. Um, because they realized the community that they were living in, they had many illegals. And so um, they were trying to help them say, hey, you came here legally, but you're here. We want to help you thrive here. Let's do it the right way now. And the backlash the church from their own church members received of, no, deport them. Get them out of here. Why would the church open to welcome illegals to make them legal? And I'm sitting there going, but is that not... The pot, let's meet people where they're at. Yes, okay, we, we don't know the oppression that they are fleeing or the background they are. Yes, did they come in here le- illegally? Perhaps, but if that's where they are, let's get them right now. If they're here and they want to thrive and they're not doing, they are great citizens of our community. They just came in here the wrong way. Why don't we help them out to make sure that they are legal so they can thrive now? Why are you smiling? Because because this, I think this is a this is a, a maybe a, a whole new rabbit hole, right? One of the issues on this this little flyer that they sent me is uh, how they voted on sanctuary cities. Mm. These cities where you know they they maybe don't cooperate as much with federal. Uh, immigration law to where if you do come into the country illegally, you would have some degree of, this is my understanding, if somebody's out there and you know way more about sanctuary, like, please, I mean, correct me if I, if I, if I misrepresent this, you know, but you would have, you would have a, a higher degree of protection against being, say, deported than if you go to, go to a city that isn't a sanctuary city. Um, I'm, and I'm reading on the Faith and Freedom Coalition's website. Uh, I mean, they're like, hey, if you, um, what are they saying? Um, one of their big things under immigration is that people should have respect for the rule of law, which in general, we would agree with this, hey, submission to the authorities. Like, Absolutely. I mean, we talked about that. We are there. But it says the first act one commits on the path to becoming an American should not be to violate our nation's laws. For this reason, those who have come to the U.S. illegally must pay a sizable fine. They probably came here because they didn't have any... Okay, I'm gonna, <laughs> they don't have the resources they don't have the re- <laughs> to pay the sizable fine. So I'm going to start yelling again like last week. Um, pay back taxes, undergo a criminal background check, learn the language we speak, which you guys make fun of me for the way I say it. <laughs> what, English? That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, which, I mean, first and foremost, the United States does not have an official language. People think, oh, everybody should learn uh, that language that you just said. Um, because, but that is, isn't actually our official language. So uh, ease up on that one, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Um, why don't you all learn Spanish? Um, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Now, we're gonna get we're gonna get some fights with people maybe over this one, but um, yeah. So it's just interesting to me. I mean, because this is like a pretty heavy hand. Uh, yeah, I don't I, know I, enough about sanctuary I, cities. Okay, this no, is but all I, new I, to me, so I, I can't speak intelligently on this topic. 
Okay, let me, I want to I wanna get super practical, and I don't know if you'll have an answer, because I honestly don't know if I would have an answer. JB, you can speak. JB, you're a business owner, mm-hmm. right? And, and if you don't, I mean, you have the freedom to not answer yeah. if it's, sure. I don't want to make anybody say anything incriminating. No. But like, let's say you, you, you find somebody who is, is, they're qualified to do a job for, your, for his productions. Mm-hmm. And in getting to know this person, you find out this person is in the country illegally right you're a follower of jesus you're a citizen of this country mm-hmm. what is what is your approach yeah my, my approach as a business owner is I, I couldn't hire someone illegally you know i couldn't i couldn't um break the laws of the land uh what unfortunately that would make that person disqualified to be able to work for my company um but it wouldn't it wouldn't disqualify them for me helping them or pointing them in a in a place that they could get citizenship and come back and see me um, for sure. But yeah, I, but are you call, are you calling ICE or whoever you know the? I mean, do, I mean myself. Yeah, no, no I mean really because th- this is this is yeah. honestly like a pra- practical thing. I'm like, man, how yeah. do we navigate this as followers of Jesus? That tension between yeah. again submission to the rules, but also. Yeah. We know what the scripture says on how we're supposed to treat immigrants. Yeah. I don't know, Ryan. I mean, speaking of that, if you've got if you've got anything, because I'm wrestling with it. I don't know where I don't know where I land. I mean, honestly, I, I think I would err on the same side as JB. Like Give no, them I'm the not, resources like, I'm to not, do it the right way. I'm yeah. not gonna <clears throat> But I'm probably not gonna call and like no. narc on them. You know what I would do, honestly, just, I'm, I mean, this is obviously fictitious and just trying to think off the, top of my, up, off the top of our heads. I mean, I wouldn't just give them the resources. I would drive them to wherever they need to be. And because I, I think that's the issue is it's like, and we as Christians, this is what we say, hey, I'll pray for you. <laughs> right? I mean, which we, we mean well, we do. A lot of times we forget, do it in the moment, literally like, hey, I'm going to pray for you right now. Let's pray together. Right? So it's like that. Like, Hey, goodbye. Here's the resources. Hope you do it. No, I, I'm going to be like, hey, I'm going to walk life through this. Let's go right now. Where do I got to take you? Do I got to check in you tomorrow to see if you, whatever it is. I would actually walk them through it instead of just handing it off and saying, why would you, you do, do that? Because you want the person here. Absolutely. The heart position is, I, I care about you. I want you to be a functioning lawful part of of the country i was blessed to be born in how can i serve and help you to get to that place uh, lawfully james two fifteen, and i want to i want to clarify and i brought this up in one of the previous episodes when we talk about brother or sister this is primarily referring to other people who are followers of jesus yeah. james two fifteen says suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food if one of you says to them go in peace keep warm and well fed but does nothing for their physical needs what good is it yeah. what good is it in a sense, I mean, JB, I'll go back to what you were talking about with pro-life. It's not enough to just say, oh, I'm pro-life. I'm going to vote pro-life. You know, boots on the ground, like get in the mess mm-hmm. of, of everything that is going on and, and love on people in the middle of it, not from like an outside spectator seat of like, oh, well, hey, no, I'll cast this vote. I did my part. Uh, I think the same thing here, you know, when it comes to immigration. Man, as we have opportunities to, to love on uh, people that are in our communities, uh, that have that have immigrated here, uh, you know. By golly, if we if we don't take those opportunities, I think we are we are missing out on living into everything uh, Jesus calls us to. Um. All right. Anything else on immigration from you guys? 
All right, this next one, I don't know. I put it on here because, quite frankly, I think it showed up. I just I picked a couple of the, the issues they had on here. Um, maybe. Maybe I just made this one up. Uh, support for Israel. <laughs> JB laughs. Why does J? Why do you laugh? I came from a hyper Zionist perspective. Like the church I was a part of was was you know you guys know Messianic and Hebrew roots, and so Zionism is at the very very core of that kind of thinking. Um, <laughs> what's the number one thing we can do for for God's chosen people, Israel, and they are His chosen people. Okay, which, about, which, but tell them that about is, Jesus. That is an important distinction, though. I've read some progressive uh, oh, sure. you know, theologians sure. that are like, "Oh no, like they aren't. They've lost that place. Oh, the sure. church is that now. Sure. Like, yeah, how do we, that, you right. know, sort of like, yeah, hey, well, we gotta, we gotta stop this." I think Romans makes that very clear. That's not the case. You know, that we're grafted in among them, the root being Jesus. But the number one thing that we can do for for our Jewish brothers and sisters, for, they're not. Well, they may not be brothers and sisters yet. Uh, is to tell them, hey, the Messiah that your people a long time ago rejected, he was it. He mm -hmm. really was the one you were waiting for all along. And he's coming again. Open, open your eyes. Open your heart. Um, there are a lot of components to what we'll call political Zionism that are not in the heart of God. Unpack political Zionism for I'm those that are say, listening or I'm watching and they're this, like, uh, and I, what in the world the does that mean? At the risk of someone throwing something at me when they see me next, it, Palestinian people who are on the other side of, of these two entities of Zionism are human beings as well. Mm. They were created in God's image, right? Um, some within that particular sect of people definitely are dangerous, but there's dangerous Jewish people. There's they're dangerous, dangerous, they're dangerous German people, quote unquote, the, followers of Jesus. I'm yeah. an Irish <laughs> Italian. I could do dangerous things, right? There's, there's dangerous, uh, but I think Zionism has this extreme uh, against Palestinian people, and they've been treated really poorly at times, really poorly. Uh, and that's not okay. That's not okay. Jesus wants their, you know, the descendants of Esau uh, to, to come to him as well. Ishmael. You mean Ishmael, Ishmael, pardon me. Why did I say Esau? Ishmael. The Ishmaelites to come to him as well. Yeah. Yeah, Jacob and Ishmael. Anything you want to throw in there? Some got really happy when Trump moved the embassy back to Jerusalem. Well, that, that's mm. actually, that's the issue that was on here. I think that, that flagged that to me to be like, huh. But I mean, and also having read some more, you know, quote unquote progressive uh, mm -hmm. theologians or pastors mm -hmm. who are like, man, stop supporting Israel. Like da, 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 da. I'm like, eh, I don't know. If you look back over history, uh, going against Israel doesn't usually pan out well for, Never. for people. No, I absolutely agree. Just the, the hardest thing that I, I see, <laughs> I think in, in this day and age, when we have this really powerful Zionist agenda in the Republican, conservative, Christian part of our world, I don't know what Bible most people are reading. <laughs> but in the end, like as a temple is set up and as a, a capital goes back into to, to Jerusalem, and these, this is all like a trajectory towards bad things if you read in the scriptures. It's not good things. So to rejoice over these steps, I only rejoice in the sense that God prophesied them and then they happened and it just proves them to be true. Mm. But in terms of what they actually mean for the region, no, I do not rejoice in that. 
Hmm. That that's it's going to be sad. It's going to be an awful. And again, we're getting into eschatology. Where, what do you think about that? You know, <laughs> good times. All right, you were gonna you were gonna say something. I, I want to say something, but I think it's stuck and it won't come out right now. With with that, you're smarter one. than me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or you're just your brain is no, toast I, after I, recording brain is toast, recording three hours um, of podcast. Yeah, I'm getting there. But no, I just yeah, I I, I 100% agree, with JB. The best thing we could do to support Israel is pray for them, that they would find Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's what it is because they missed it. They believe in Jesus as a good prophet, but not their Savior, not their Messiah that they've been waiting for. And that's the best support you can. I think maybe moving the embassy to Jerusalem probably caused more division. And here's the easy thing. We as Americans, we can step back and not really, we, we, we see it, what happened happened. But what's interesting is we're not over there living in Jerusalem with the consequences of what happened. Because there are consequences. Yeah, I mean, there are significant consequences. And there are real human beings that over there, though. Mm-hmm. We just got to, just, I'm just going to say, just be, be cautious with that whole nationalism of Israel and Zionism. You just, just be very cautious with us, with them. Let's pray. But you're right, too. Anytime you mess with Israel, things never turn out well. But I, I do think it's important, like, I mean, from a, because let's bring this into, like, the your your average Joe in the United States. I guess, I guess I would think the practical application is, as you look at what policies you support, because maybe you're one that's like, yeah, we got the embassy in Jerusalem. Like, what is the motivation behind that? If the motivation is anything other than a sincere and true, like, hey, like, and then you got to go to scripture again, because like JB said, you know, uh, okay, what is your motivation? If any, and I want to be careful not to make assumptions, but if any of your motivation is, hey, we got to stick it to this group of people, that's that's the wrong motive. That's that is not a that is not a motivation that honors Christ by you backing that policy. Is that I don't know, is that is that fair? Is that fair to say? Because if I think, hey, you know, especially, you know, you know, there's probably still some residual, and maybe I'm getting into muddy waters here, <clears throat> residual uh, effects of 9-11 in the United States and the posture that we sometimes take towards people of Middle Eastern descent. And, and it's like, so if any of it is like... So you're going to start talking about racism now? Well, that's, that is, that's, uh, that's racial justice is on the, is on the list. My head hurts to go there. But I don't, yeah, I don't know how we're going to, we're almost at an hour. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up with this last one. Well, we've already kind of talked about it. Uh, the, the last one being the, the welfare, Medicare, social security, you know, like helps type spending. helping the poor and stuff. Yeah. Right, and, and I think JB, JB uh, hit on something I think really important when he was unpacking his uh, kind of the, 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 the core principle of the, the gleaning you know, practice in, in, that we see in the Older Testament. Because <clears throat> I, I do think as it, when it comes to like informing our votes, looking at policy, if, if policy is geared primarily at allowing me to keep more of my money and the motivation is because I want more of my money. Again, it's the motivation. It's the heart behind that. Like, does that honor God? But the balance of that policy is also just think of, visualize what was taking place. 
the person who is in need, what did they do? I mean, they had to come get it. The yeah. dignity and integrity of the poor in that time was honored. Handouts do not honor the poor. They don't honor the integrity of a human person. They dishonor. And, and, and so there's a balance of self-will and decisions that people have to make. Um, does it mean that every poor person is poor by their own choice? Absolutely not. Does it mean that there are poor people who are poor by choice? Yes, it does. I can make really dumb financial decisions, and I have over, over times of my life, that have put me in positions that were tight and difficult by my decisions. That doesn't mean every... So it, it, I think it's the heart condition, but the policy has to be in that balance. Responsibility and care. And that's, that's an excellent point. There's a, there's a resource. I mean, Ryan and I have had conversations about this. Um, just with, with some of the outreach things that we do here at Radiant Life, uh, those are largely informed by the material in a book called When Helping Hurts. The idea that, that yes, I mean, you do, like, just handing things out, like, that isn't, that, I like the way you said that. You know, it kind of robs people of, 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 of dignity. Also, there's a scripture, I think it's Paul, who says, hey, if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, there's like... <laughs> Sure. I mean, that's, well, there's, so there, there's, there's a sometimes balance. sometimes a systemic problem. Um, you know, we, we never want anyone to go throughout winter, especially here in Michigan in yeah. the cold winter months, without heat. Right. That's the dignity of humanity. You should be taken care of. So, of course, we want to help out. But next month, you may be without heat again. So, a systemic problem is you're actually horrible at budgeting. You know, so we want to actually get to the root of the problem and not just give a handout. Right. Teach a man to fish. You right. got, you, we want to walk hand in hand in that. We do want to help you out, but we also want to solve a systemic problem, the root problem there. But there are people, and I think you alluded to it in the previous episode, and it's all running together now at this point. Um, I mean, there are people that, that truly, whether it's from disability or, or whatnot, I mean, they, they don't have the ability to... to work a 40-hour, 50-hour, 60-hour-a-week job like many of us uh, can. So, yeah, what does the system look like? But within that, like JB said, how can, we, how can we approach these in such a way that it still affirms the dignity of this person as a human being? Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a cut right. I just think those are all pieces uh, of the puzzle that we, we have to have in place as we make decisions, not just, no, we need less spending on welfare because there's a bunch of slackers you know, getting welfare. Don't take that approach. But then also don't take the approach of, oh, well, hey, let's just free everything for everybody. Like, yeah, you I, may that's just because that, that I, I think have you to would, pay for college one way or another. You would, you would, you would have a hard time, I think, uh, addressing that uh, yeah. model from a biblical standpoint. I mean, um, free college does sound great, doesn't it? Yeah, except for the fact that I already went through it and paid for it. <laughs> but then that's that's the fairness, right? Like, well, it's not fair because I didn't get free college, right. you know. But anyways, right. that's that's. But here's the thing: remember, if someone's on welfare, don't we lump too many times? Like, oh, that means they're lazy. No, we don't understand people's circumstances right. sometimes, and that's the danger of of judging way too quickly quickly without knowing someone's story and getting to know the person first and foremost. It goes back to the end of the last episode: humility. Humility, humility. Don't think, oh, well, hey, well, I know everything about this person, and I'm, I'm better than that person. I work, I work hard. They clearly don't. Well, hey, take, take some time to get to know them. 
Now we, I mean, we don't have time to dig in, but I mean, other issues that, you know, might be, uh, deciding factors for people are things like racial justice. Uh, I mean, just the way different candidates have, have handled policies that impact, uh, or, or, uh, perpetuate discrimination against somebody based on, on their race. Um, Again, we don't have time to unpack all of this, but know that we have really good biblical evidence that there is not a superior race, right? In Christ, especially this is especially true within the church, right? I mean, like we're in Christ. I mean, you know, Scythian, slave, barbarian, Greek, Jew, male, all of those, female, all of those, yeah, male, slave, female, free. slave, free. Um, those things uh, all come under the the jurisdiction of of Jesus. So, if you're a follower of Jesus. Uh, I, I'll say, and you guys, JB, Ryan, you guys pitch in uh, your thoughts on this too, but that make sure that when you throw your vote behind policy that affects people, make sure, and that's what David Platt's questions, right? Does the policy you support perpetuate injustice? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a, my, my paraphrase of his, of his question. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would, I would again, I, I wish... And granted, we're not qualified to <laughs> to have a probably an in depth discussion about uh, racism, anyways. But I mean, that is that is a real thing. That is a real issue in our current culture, and that is a thing that policies can speak into. Uh, don't take that lightly, JB and Ryan. Anything you want to add on that issue before we close out? our time here now that we're at an hour and a half this is a record length for the radiant reflections podcast if you've stuck with us the whole time um awesome we should come up with some sort of a prize for the people that have good for you (laughs) so i'm going to say you guys are probably going to regret giving me a microphone but this is the last podcast in this uh series before people are going to vote yes can we just pray for our listeners, pray for our viewers uh, as they go to the polls? Ryan's leading us to do this as a congregation next this coming, this coming Sunday, coming Sunday yep. yeah. uh, before the election. That's uh, uh, what we're going to be doing as a church, and maybe we can just do that. I think that's a fantastic idea. Ryan, you want to you grab that? Uh, yeah, it would look bad if I say someone else grabbed that, huh? <laughs> Well, my vo- I'm, I'm running out of voice after talking for yeah, let's pray. Uh, three some hours. Here. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, these, uh, this whole series, this whole podcast of faith and politics, um, God, you can see just us as, as pastors just wrestling, well, what does it look like to live like you um, in a culture that is very polarized politically? And how do we navigate those waters? And God, I pray above everything, first and foremost, as those that are listening and watching that are followers of Jesus, may we represent you well. Mm -hmm. God, may we throw our own agendas away. May we throw our own flesh and set that aside. And Holy Spirit, would you just come upon us and empower us to look more like you. Mm -hmm. Even when we want to disagree because we may feel something or one way or another, may we ultimately go back to the the, the foundational truth, the absolute truth, and that is your word. May we rely on your word. And God, I just pray that as we go into this election, that every viewer and listener, that we would be informed that our vote does matter. Our vote does bring consequences. We have to live with the consequences of who we voted into the office here in this nation. And God, I just pray that you would help us vote with a clear conscience. You would help us to represent you well. And no matter who, 
whatever political party is in the White House come 2021 here in this great nation, God, I pray that we would be praying for that person. Mm-hmm. I pray, even if the other party that we voted for isn't in the White House, that we could still have civil and respectful conversations with those that we may disagree with. And I just pray that we would be a light in this community and all the communities that we live in for you. And may we just live like you and share your love. God, may you give us wisdom and help us vote with a clear conscience. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, this has been episode 42 of Radio Reflections and the last installment in our Faith and Politics series here. This one was called Grab Your Tissues. This one's called Very Long Episode <laughs> Number 40-something. Time for uh, tissues. Um, time for issues. Yeah, there we go. I, I messed up the title. Time for issues. Yep, grab Your Tissues, Time for Issues. Yeah. We welcome your feedback, not just on this episode, but all of them. You can email us, podcast at the radiantlife.church. That's podcast at the radiantlife.church. Uh, your thoughts on this, if there are things that you wrestle with, if you take a different position and want to dialogue about this, man, if, if you're local, uh, shoot us an email. Maybe we can sit down and, and grab a cup of coffee at Five Lakes and, and, and chat through some of this. Again, we're not experts, uh, but we would love to help you process through what it looks like for you to bring your faith to the table, to start filtering your politics through your faith, not your faith through your politics. Um, yeah, we would love that. But uh, in addition to that, if you would rate, review, subscribe, and just share this on your social media with your friends, uh, that would be awesome. We appreciate that. Just you helping us spread this to as wide an audience as possible. Because guess what? <laughs> our whole nation is going to be voting. Uh, hopefully, Christ followers across our nation are bringing their faith to the table. But uh, other than that, hey, we'll see you for our next episode in which we will dig into something new. So, you know, we're always looking for new things to dig into. But uh, yeah, hey, appreciate you guys hanging with us for this extended episode, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to Radiant Reflections, the podcast of the Radiant Life Church in Sturgis, Michigan. We hope today's edition of Radiant Reflections has helped you live like Jesus and share his love with your family, friends, and neighbors. To learn more about the church family this podcast originates from, check out theradiantlife.church. That's theradiantlife.church. Maybe you have some questions after listening today. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to podcast at theradiantlife.church. That's podcast at theradiantlife.church. Don't forget to subscribe to the Radiant Reflections podcast. When you subscribe, you'll always have the latest content delivered right to your phone from the Radiant Life Church. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review Radiant Reflections. Every time we receive a five-star review, more people learn about this podcast. We also want to encourage you to share this podcast on social media and with your friends and family. Join us next time for another edition of Radiant Reflections.